What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago. Next week, the city council could pass an ordinance to crack down on people parked in bike and bus lanes downtown. And for our next mayor, making streets and sidewalks safer and more accessible is going to be a huge task. Chicago Department of Transportation Commissioner Gia Biagi tells us what the city is doing now and what she hopes to see in the future. It's Monday, March 6th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago is Talking About. And do you have a preference on how I refer to you? Because I'm going to just keep calling you Kamish. Oh, that's, uh, I, my kids would like that. <laughs> <laughs> they think it's hysterical, so. Commissioner Biagi, welcome to CityCast Chicago. Thank you. So glad to be here. I appreciate you. Before we jump into the conversation, can you tell me how do you primarily get around the city? Yeah, well, I'm an avid cyclist. Um, I spent many years racing for a cycling team, um, and I have a couple of bikes. Uh, I have my my All City that I love, that I ride in gravel races, and also on the streets. Um, I have a, f- a pretty fabulous e-bike that I love very much too. <laughs> um, that is too much fun to ride. Um, I take the bus, I take train if I'm not on my bike. Um, And then I do drive from time to time uh, because there's a whole lot of city that we're taking care of here. And sometimes you just need to get from place to place and during the day. And so I drive a electric vehicle. Okay. Um, Before you entered into this role, what grade would you give Chicago in terms of being accessible and safe for someone who's doing as much as you, everything from cycling to walking to taking public transportation to even a little bit of driving? Well, I'd say that uh, I'll go back to maybe my my kindergarten, grade school grading, which is... uh, Working hard needs improvement. Uh, I, you know, I think um, it's been interesting to watch the evolution, right? In, in our city, um, I feel really lucky to be here when we have finally, uh, in this few years here, we have some funding, uh, we have the political will, and we have a lot of motivated residents that are right there with us and trying to make sure that uh, we are the best, most connected, safest city anywhere around. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you talk about connected residents, Transportation advocates, cycling advocates are some of the uh, honestly most fun people to talk to because they keep it real about what they want, what they see are problems and challenges. We have heard about, you know, the six mile power cameras in the city. And so speeding does get some focus when we're thinking about driving violations. But when we're talking about penalties for parking in a bike lane or failing to stop for pedestrians at a crosswalk, what are some of the penalties for that? And are are they as regularly enforced? Yeah. So 
a couple of things. So there are monetary penalties for that kind of behavior. And, and we just increased, in fact, um, the penalty for parking in a bike lane. The fact is, though, I do not, my, my department, finance, we don't have enough people who can be out where you need to be to, to police that. And the fact is, we don't want to have to police it. Don't park in a bike lane. Don't park in a bus lane. Don't park on a crosswalk. But one of the things that we're trying to do is use other tools. And so we just introduced the city council, a smart streets pilot program. And so this would enable us to put cameras on buses as they're traveling through those bus lanes, um, put them in fixed posts, looking at bike lanes and also in commercial loading zones. Um, the curb lane and dedicated lanes, they're the most contested space in the city. And so because we can't be everywhere at once, um, we're going to start using camera technology to get us there. It's not ideal. We don't want anybody to have to pay a fine. And there's an easy way to not pay that fine is by not getting the ticket, by not parking there. I can't tell you how many times I get off my bike. Excuse me. Could you please not park in the bike lane? Um, there are folks who, who go, oh, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize it. And there are folks, you know, who tell me I, I ought to just keep on uh, biking yep. away from them. So technology will help us. Um, but again, uh we don't want you to get a ticket. The goal is to hopefully leverage technology, change people's behavior, to improve the relationship between pedestrian and driver, cyclist and driver. When we think about companies that can afford those 250 bucks, those companies that don't really see themselves as in relationship with pedestrians and other people in the city, you know, how do we also hold them accountable? Because you'll see a, you know, a factory truck sitting in a bike lane and, you know, a ticket is just the cost of doing business at that point. Yeah, I think uh, that is a really important question. Amazon, I mean, I'll name the, the Amazon. Go ahead. Even the U.S. Postal Service, uh, who have some kind of diplomatic immunity or something. Um, and then, you know, you look at even Uber and Lyft. I know we are, you know, made up of Chicagoans who are driving. But, you know, you're thinking more about picking up the fare than maybe sometimes you are about everybody needing to share the roadway. Um, but certainly those companies like like the Amazons or uh, FedExes of the world, um, what I've come to learn is that they build those ticketing costs into their balance sheet. I think we want to be careful. Like we have a lot of small companies here in Chicago, right? Um, if we can get the education out there, if we can coach folks into doing it right, we don't want to ding folks who are just making a living here, small businesses here in Chicago. Uh, but everybody needs to follow the rules. And so if we can sort of start getting some of these technologies in play that are also enabling folks to have um, to, to better recognize when they are in violation. Um, we're hopeful that works. And, and the fact is, um, love it or hate them with the speed camera, speeds have gone down around those cameras. And we also know that when somebody gets a ticket, um, they don't, uh, it's like 80% of folks don't get another ticket uh, within the next year. You know, we need to just find every tool in the toolbox, technology or otherwise, in addition to making sure that we're not also creating an over, you know, an undue burden on folks who are least able to pay. And so we've also worked with our Department of Finance to create programs for folks who qualify by income to prorate or to have lower rates um, in complying with some of the violations. So we don't want to break your pocketbook. Um, we just want you to follow the rules. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. 
As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. When we asked listeners what their biggest hopes were for Chicago in 2023, many of them told us transportation improvements, especially making it easier to walk or bike around the city. You know, a lot of people are curious about the city's bike lane network. What should we expect to see built out in 2023 and in which neighborhoods? Yeah, uh, well, we hope to see a lot of shovels in the ground on the bike network uh, throughout the whole city. And just kind of to, to reset, and I love that you were sort of asking about, you know, what have you know previous administrations done with the streets for cycling plan? Uh, it's streets for cycling 2020, but it was done in 2012, right? And so it gives you a sense of that's 10 years old. A lot of the low-hanging fruit projects have been done, and now we're into the more difficult parts of how do you work at two scales, right? There's the urbanism scale, which is the city as a whole, and that's thinking about those long commuter networks, neighborhood to neighborhood, uh, economic centers, and out again. And then there's the 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 smallest scale, like on the block, the neighborhood scale of cycling and mobility and movement that is going to be different in every neighborhood. Um, you have different conditions, you have different constituents, you have people who are looking for meaningful destinations in their life that's not necessarily work. Mm -hmm. And so we're at this really interesting moment where we have to be able to toggle back and forth at those scales. And so that's been a reset at, in the last two to three years where we're working in neighborhoods like North Lawndale and Belmont Cragen and saying, okay, where are we trying to get to? What's the infrastructure that we have in place now? Where do we need it? Where's it headed? And so, you know, in the last couple of years, we've doubled the amount of bikeway mileage that we're building out every year. So we went from building about 20 miles a year. Now we're doing 40 miles a year. But it's not about just the numbers and the mileage, right? We can, you can have all the mileage in the world, but it's not the right miles. If it's not helping people to safely get where they need to go, I'd rather have the best one mile than... 40 miles that don't work for everybody, right? How do you decide what you do in a, a given neighborhood on a given route, yeah. whether it's concrete curbs or just an open lane? How do you decide how to accurately approach a, a given neighborhood and the infrastructure needed? Yeah, we start by listening. And we really start by working with everybody who has a stake in that conversation. And that's you know people who live on the block, that's people who might use that neighborhood as a commuting route or a destination or a starting point. Um, that's also people who own businesses on those commercial routes who have a stake in what happens in the street. What we always want to do, we always want to prioritize the most vulnerable user. And that's those are walkers and those are cyclists. Mm -hmm. And particularly thinking about vulnerable users on the ends of the spectrum, young people, kids, children, and then older folks who may have more mobility challenges moving around. And that's why you're seeing us, you're seeing new things come onto the street, like uh, bus bulbs, right? Who knows what a bus bulb is? That's where a bus is actually not gonna pull over. We're actually bringing the curb 
to the travel lane. And so the bus is staying in its travel lane. It's much safer for a pedestrian to get on. It calms the whole street down. So everyone's going a little bit slower. And what we find even with, with this bus bulbs, pedestrian bump outs and concrete protected bike lanes, um, we're still able to get people to where they need to be, but do it in a safer way. Uh, but it's often we have uh, what, 10 pounds of flour in a five pound bag. When you think about the anatomy of the public way, right? Uh, I've got from doorknob to doorknob on either side, I've got sidewalk, I've got curb, I've got curb lane. I need room for uh, the base of a light pole. I have I need room for benches. I need room for protected bike lanes. Sometimes people need parking. And so when you start to think about it, um, there are all kinds of trade-offs that we try to make in service of the values of the community where we're doing work. How do you manage those different priorities? Because I, I, I would think... You know, you probably don't get the most praise when someone gets to work on time or the road is paved or where their bike lane felt protected. Often, you know, it comes up when there's been a tragic accident. So how do you manage listening to communities, but also kind of implementing the, those priorities? Yeah. So we're looking for points of convergence there, right? Where our data is telling us, for example, this is a high crash corridor and we need to give it our attention with safety improvements. Um, we look at then what we can observe ourselves. So going out and doing walking tours with communities and, and really understanding, okay, here's we're watching vehicles, we're watching buses, we're seeing um, what is this really the, the buffer zone around a transit node and how are people getting to it? Have you stood out on 79th and... Uh... Uh, South Chicago and Stony Island. I know I you. Been, yeah, I've yeah. been everywhere. She's like, yeah, I get that. That one comes up a lot. People are always yeah. talking about that intersection. It's oh, it's so scary over there. Uh, yeah. You know. And speaking of, one thing advocates are constantly asking for in the city is to add more safety infrastructure. We talked about that a little bit. You know, whenever CDOT's resurfacing a street, people are like, well, let's add a protected bike lane. Is that something the department already does? Like wherever there's new construction or new development, trying to see how can we make that a, a safer space. Yes, we're looking for it every time. And one of the things we did uh, in the last two to three years is we took the com our complete streets framework. So a complete street is one that is safe and inviting and walkable, all of those things that we want, and made sure that for what we call our arterial streets program, that those are your 79th streets, your Irving Park roads, they're usually state owned in the city, um, to make sure that we are looking first through the lens of what is the right design for the most vulnerable user. We've been doing about 400 pedestrian safety improvements per year. That's up from, gosh, maybe just 100 or so per year prior to that. So we're quadrupling in that realm. It's, it's not enough. We're, we have legacy street designs, right? That the, our grid was laid out uh, after, you know, Chicago fire and you know, it's been doubled down on for decades and decades, especially, you know, as cars have become to come to dominate. And so we have to take on and we are intersection by intersection, street by street, um, getting rid of those legacy designs and moving toward what is a complete streets design. Now we have 4000 miles of streets. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of infrastructure, but we're getting there. There's a proposal right now to make it a more standing operating procedure to consider when we're doing street improvement, doing road work to be building in more safe infrastructure. How would that change things for your department? Is that something you support? Oh, yeah. And it's something that um, we're doing already and we just need to do a better job of of updating what we're doing and making sure the public knows. But this is a great way to codify that and also be a little more transparent with the public um, so they can feel confident that, you know, we might not always get it right, but we are pushing in the right direction and we are always working to make sure that we are uh, not just current, but ahead of the game and doing it right. 
The other two pieces of safety, one is in vehicle design. The design of vehicles is meant to protect the person inside the car. But cars are not designed to keep the person outside the car safe. And so we've actually lobbied the federal DOT to say, you need to change your standards for what consumer protection actually means of vehicles and think about, that's the second leg of the stool. Uh, the third one is speed. Fundamentally, speed is a huge problem. Now, street design has something to do with that, right? So we're trying to narrow the aperture and slow you down with what we can do physically. But there is a huge need for drivers to slow down and we need to continue to try to change driver behavior. Um, you know, we know that if, if you're driving at 20 miles an hour and you hit someone, uh, they have about an 80% survival rate. If you're driving and at 40 miles an hour and you hit someone, that same person, you are, they're 80% they're likely to die. I mean, it's dramatic in that 20 mile an hour window. We need people to slow down and to think about the fact that there is something an individual can do in this case. And that person on a bike or that person crossing the street, that's your neighbor or that's your mom or that's your cousin. That's somebody you know that you need to keep thinking about and slow down to give yourself a chance to stop and save somebody's life. Commission, you talk a lot about working for the most vulnerable people in Chicago. I saw a recent report from WTTW that efforts to make crosswalks more accessible for blind pedestrians isn't moving that fast. How are we doing to make our streets safer for, for people um, who have different physical capabilities? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Now, when it comes to accessibility, um, we've, we're actually um, making great strides in terms of the ramps and sort of those pieces of it. It's definitely been a challenge bringing online the pedestrian signals, and there are, uh, the, there are a couple of reasons why. One, um, the supply chains in the last two to three years have just been killing us. Um, it, you know, we not only did we live through last summer at the height of construction season, uh, a work stoppage with the quarries, which means we're not getting the stone that is used to help develop concrete, which is where a pole, for example, or signal sits. Um, but then we entered into a cement shortage after that. You layer on top of that electronics shortages. All Nobody wants to hear this, though. I get that. I don't want to hear about it either. Um, I mean, supply chain is right? the answer to so many of these chain. conversations. Right, but it's not good enough, right? And so we have, while we have not made the progress we wanted to in getting signals in the ground, uh, we have over uh, 150 that are in design right now. We're hoping to get shovels in the ground in the spring and really catch up on that. Mm -hmm. I mean, given the safety environmental goals of the department, you know, is it your hope to ultimately have fewer drivers on Chicago roads? Oh, that would be great. <laughs> I mean, for a lot of reasons. And I think that's part of the challenge here, right? We, For example, right now, everyone's talking about electric vehicles, and that's great. We do. That's great for, um, you know, reducing emissions. But at the same time, an EV is still a vehicle on the road, right? And so there's a whole uh, mind shift that we have to do that's complemented by having great examples of alternatives because we want to make it as easy as possible for you to have another choice. You know, we're working really closely with the CTA on building new train stations. You know, we've got another one at uh, Damon Green Line, Damon Lake. Um, that's going to be another node, another uh, opportunity to make sure that transit's where it needs to be. The red line extension, right? Talk about a transformation in terms of equitable access to transportation, extending that red line to the balance of our south side. These are the kinds of infrastructure investments um, that we're not only thinking about, we're putting a shovel in the ground on because that that's the that's the utter transformation. And then we can 
do more on the front of things that we love to do, like open boulevards and shared streets and all of these things, uh, the outdoor dining, the more that we can reposition streets as not just places of movement, but places of repose, places of gathering, all of these pieces, fundamentally, that means uh, fewer vehicles on it. For people who want to learn more about the strategic plan for transportation, I'll drop a link for you in the show notes. I want to give a huge thank you to the commissioner of the Chicago Department of Transportation, Gia Biaggi. Thank you for joining CityCast. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. It means a lot to a lot of Chicagoans. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Late last week, mayoral candidate Paul Vallis loaned his campaign $100,000. That means both Vallis and Brandon Johnson's campaigns can now accept unlimited donations from individuals ahead of the runoff on April 4th. 16 of the 22 police district councils have a majority of candidates supported by the coalition that pushed for the police oversight ordinance. That's the law that created the councils and the Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability. About half of the current vendors at the iconic discount mall in Little Village have been told they have until March 26 to sell their remaining merchandise. There's some good news to get you through. I'll be at Lincoln Hall tonight hosting the Moth Story Slam. The theme this week is steaks. If you've never been to a moth, you can come put your name in a hat and maybe get picked to tell a five-minute story on the theme of the night. There'll be a few tickets available at the door. Hopefully I'll see you there. As always, we appreciate you for listening. We're back tomorrow looking at some of the most beautiful places in Chicago with WTTW's Jeffrey Bear. Talk to you then. Peace. All right, we're going to take this from the top all the way through. Watch this. Watch this.